0: just as the sun rises so do you be a motivator you are now listening to the lifelong learning defined podcast with your host george
1: valenzuela this is education coach george valenzuela welcome to the lifelong learning defined podcast where i provide all educators whether instructional leaders or teachers tips on how to be their best both personally and professionally now let's get into it We are here today with my friend, Laura Williams. Laura is on the board of iTech, which is the Iowa Technology Educators Connection. She's an entrepreneur, an instructional coach, and very passionate about her work. She's also very inspirational. How are you?
0: Hello. Thank you for having me, George.
1: (laughs) I love that you excel in three major areas of your life. Number one, you put family first. Two, you're a kick-ass entrepreneur like myself, and three, you're passionate about making educational opportunities available for every single kid, especially those that don't have strong advocates. Before we get into how you do each of these three things at a high level, please introduce yourself to our audience.
0: I'm Laura Williams. My title is 21st Century Learning Specialist. I also manage and coordinate a digital project board for the state of Iowa, which is super fun and exciting. Endeavors outside of my day job have led me to meeting educators all across the globe, supporting them in authentic learning and agile project management, which is super exciting. If you Google agile in education, you're going to find a whole bunch of really cool stuff out there.
1: Laura, you and I met online.
0: We
1: met online. <laughs> when I was invited to be a featured speaker at iTech. Mm-hmm. You happened to be on the iTech board, by the way. And you got into my DMs on Twitter.
0: <laughs> Looked right in there.
1: And, and invited me to present the webinar last July. Since then, I've gotten to know you and see you kill your social media game on Twitter on a daily basis. Every day. I think I think you're a dynamic person and educator, but from your perspective, how has our relationship evolved since then and where are we today?
0: I'm a follower for sure of you, and I love the content you've been putting out there. One thing I didn't really realize, I think your handle, George Does PBL, like I boxed you into the PBL box, but oh my goodness, you have so many more golden nuggets than not just PBL, because I think obviously PBL is my bread and butter as well. Here's what I love about you, George. I love that you are with it, you follow the beat. And if things shift or change, you shift and change, you bring that perspective. And then lately with these really great shows for lifelong learning to find, you're elevating voices and you're connecting the dots for people. That's like me following you. That's what I see and, and appreciate about you.
1: I appreciate that. And I think a lot of people in our space, they're looking to find their voice and they're looking to yes. do things that they know are helpful, but at the same time, be very true to self. Mm-hmm. The CEO of Brand Builders, his name is Rory Vaden, and he was talking about branding on the Ed Mylett Show. And he said that a lot of people are very confused about their personal brand. They think it's having everything the same color, having everything look perfect, and just having a theme. Mm -hmm. But in reality, it's snippets of who you are and the problems that you can solve in your field. He said, your brand is what people think about you when your name is mentioned or they see you. He said, make sure that on social media, you get in front of the narrative, because if you don't, other people will.
0: Other people,
1: yep. And my company is called Lifelong Learning Defined, and it's defined for George. I've defined my personal and my professional growth. Through the company, I'm looking to help other people do the same. Part of my brand is not just being great at business, is being great at my relationships, being a husband, being a father, being a son, finances, passion all these different things when i invite folks on the show that is part of the theme part of my brand but it's also things that people really care about namely the audience
0: yeah i think that's so true lately i've been really hung up on this you need to carry your banner what is your banner? What is that thing that it doesn't matter what situation you're in. It's just who you are and what you believe and what you think and how you show that to the world. And I'm constantly thinking about my banner and what I'm putting out there into the world, be it social media or be it in my job or be it when I engage with people. Like you said, it's one of those things that make you, you. I think what I see people struggle with is they're passionate, but they don't know necessarily how to get it out there, or how to get it in front of people. Right. And so, obviously you just got to get started. What is that thing? I call it like your push comes to shove moment. What is mm-hmm. that push comes to shove that you need people to know that's like burning inside of you and just to start get it out there and it builds who you are and people start to understand what you're about. If you keep carrying that banner, banging that drum, people are going to understand you more and more as you share more and more.
1: This is the lifelong learning to find podcast. On this podcast, we interview people who are excelling in three major areas of their lives. So that we can learn from them and experience similar success. Laura, tell us about your family.
0: This is the first time I've been asked about my family on a podcast, so I love that you are asking me this right now because I am a very proud mama. <laughs> I could talk about her for days, and my husband is an educator too, so we're like an, we're an EDU family, if you will. We live in Northeast Iowa. We're in a very rural town. Our family dynamic over time has shifted. I've been married almost seven years, I met my husband in education. We are both teachers. We got married and then we had a baby (laughs) and she's a kindergartner now. When she was one, my husband was on the pursuit to administration. Taking the leap from teacher to admin is difficult when you're just getting started because you have no experience. And I hate to say competing, but you are. You're competing because there's other people that want to fill those jobs, but you don't have experience. He ended up taking an athletic director job up in Northeast Iowa, moved us up here. And now this is his second year as a principal up here. We're learning how that works with our family dynamic. I would say edu family, we'll call it that.
1: (laughs) It's interesting. You led that answer with no one has ever asked me about my family on a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a rationale for that. We mentioned that this show is called lifelong learning Mm defined. When we sit with our friends and family, whether we've seen them in a long time, Or we saw them last week, the first thing they ask about is family. Yeah. And most people are trying to figure out relationships. So, with that said, Laura, what would you (laughs) tell a person who is struggling to connect with his or her spouse?
0: I would say this is for spouses and really just any relationship in general. (sighs) I like to think about troubleshooting. I'm a problem solver, I cannot sit with problems. I want to root it out and I want to. Talk it out until the the cows come home because it's just one of those. I don't want things weighing me down or nagging at me. I think if you can just handle the issues, not sweep them under the rug, that's going to be better for you in the long run. Yes, it's easier just to brush it off and sweep it under the rug and move forward as we have busy lives and things. But I think those are the things that, in the long run can eat away at a relationship if you don't address whatever it is. I think trying to bring those things to surface and keep the conversation going, if you are struggling with that, that's where you start. You talk about, hey, we're not connecting. Or if you feel out of sync with your partner, and I've had that conversation, hey, I feel really out of sync with you. (laughs) Especially in our situation, We have two different communities. He has his work community in a different town, even as I'm making connections in our local where we live town. How do we bridge that gap? That's a problem that we can solve. And then we come up with solutions that we should try. Okay, maybe I need to come and have lunch at the school or something like that. Just meet new people and that kind of thing. I think always bringing it out. Don't sweep it under the rug. Keep troubleshooting. We all have problems. If anyone has a perfect relationship, I have questions. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) I have questions for you. And remember that we're all works in progress. We're people and we make mistakes. We're not perfect. We're works in progress always. And lean to forgiveness. We sometimes hold our spouses to such high standards. <laughs> like you're this, you need to be this way. Cause I've built you in my mind this way. We have to go easier on each other. Lean into forgiveness is something I would recommend.
1: <laughs> that is so good. Lots of people sweep things under the rug. I think anyone in a long-term relationship, in a marriage, just any relationship in general, knows that when you ignore things, it doesn't really go away. Yeah. So that's really great advice. Tell us about the relationship with your daughter, and particularly that she's so young.
0: Yes. Bittersweet, because she just got to kindergarten. And that first day when you dropped her off, and she's running, and her backpack is like moving. And she's just so little. And you're like, oh my gosh, she's she was a baby. And now she's a little person going off into the world. Yeah, it's been every year, every even couple months, you hit a benchmark of Oh, my gosh, you can do that. So I don't know, I for me, it's really fun. I think a lot of People will say, oh, I get to be a kid again, and I definitely feel that way. I love going to the park and swinging and doing stuff like that with her. She just learned how to swing, to pump her legs. We've gone through that. Maybe talked a little physics about it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm trying. and planting seeds, little stem seeds as we go. <laughs> but yeah, for me, it's really fun. We're pretty close. She definitely wants to be like mom. I'll find her in my work blazer or heels walking around. And I'm like, oh, Ellie. But yes, she's, for lack of a better word, she's a little mini me. I don't want to ruin her. I want her to be herself. And I want her to explore the world from her own lens and make her own decisions. But I can't help but feel honored that she just wants to be like mom. I'd say the things that we do the most of are probably arts and craft related. She loves building things and painting and things like that. So super creative kid. And I really want to harness that and help support her in those endeavors.
1: Laura, what is something fun that you do with your daughter that's inexpensive that other parents can do too?
0: Park. Any park, go to the park. (laughs) I love it when other people go to the park too, because then it's like instant play date, didn't have to schedule it. And I love how kids will just they don't even know each other, but it can become instant friends. I love that. So I would say hands down the park.
1: If you're watching this on YouTube or listening on Spotify or iTunes, please hit the subscribe button. Please hit the like button and share this podcast with your family, friends, and colleagues. And now for a word from one of our sponsors. Are technology issues slowing you down at your school? If that's the case, look no further than Five Star Technologies Virtual Help Desk. Their team of experts are available to support you remotely, resolving up to 40% of common issues like password resets, device connectivity, and lots more. With just a few clicks, you'll have access to their live chat from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m., Monday through Friday. Just enter your email to get started. Then you'll live chat with one of five stars at tech experts to diagnose your problem. And if their virtual help desk agent can't solve the issue completely, they will dispatch the ticket to your school's on-site tech team. Let 5 Star Technology Solutions be your support partner. Experience their virtual help desk, which is affordable, efficient, and always there for you. Please contact them at 5startech.com forward slash contact us. Once again, 5startech.com forward slash contact us. And for your convenience, you'll find this link in the episode show notes. Let's transition into your coaching work. How did you get into coaching educators?
0: Naturally, I had that disposition of wanting to troubleshoot and problem solve and and work with people. As an educator, the first place that can happen is with students. Obviously, you're coaching and cheering them on. But then more formally with adults in a PLC or your data team or whatever your school is calling it. I was very inclined to redesign some of the curriculum that I was given, (laughs) being put in a position to try new things and help my team to try new things, project-based learning, things like that. The instructional design part of it was really fascinating to me. Not many people have the time or desire to spend hours after work designing things. I did. I wanted to share that with my colleagues, make it easier for them. That's how it started, I would say just that natural wanting to help. And if you see a problem, fix a problem kind of thing.
1: That's what I really respect about you. I don't really have a lot of time these days to look at someone's social media, but when I'm picking people for this show, that's the first place I go. I heard once that we should spend 10 hours extra a week on our passions and on leveling up what we're working on at work. I was one of those instructional specialists that would spend hours after work on the weekends, on snow days, writing lesson plans, writing projects, and really focusing on what you just said, the instructional design of instruction. And what a lot of people don't understand is that means two things. Those are your pedagogical strategies, how you plan curriculum, how you plan units, lessons, projects, performance tasks, whatever you're doing, but also how you facilitate them. What are the strategies? What are high yielding? What are low yielding? Mm -hmm. These are things that a coach needs to understand and you beautifully explain them, (laughs) but most of the world doesn't really want to do that
0: Mm -hmm.
1: or spend a lot of time on it because they have other things that they have to work on. As a coach, you have to do all these things and help them understand the science behind it, model it, how it works, yep. but understand that not everyone is going to spend hours doing it the way you are. But here's the thing, I have found that whenever we are trying to solve a problem, we may not solve it for everyone, but we solve it for ourselves.
0: <laughs> <I love> that. <laughs> well, that, ma- that matters for the next time, right?
1: <clears throat> exactly. Iterations. Exactly, and when you go and you coach in other places, you know how to explain it a lot easier and you already have the background. That is so fantastic. Yeah, Laura, it's getting harder and harder to coach adults. What is one piece of advice that you would give someone who is just starting out in this business?
0: I have a couple of thoughts on this. I go and do professional development for all staff and that's a daunting task because they probably don't want to be there. They don't know you. What are we doing now? What is administration asking of us? We don't have time. You are going against the odds when you walk in that door. <laughs> and I know this because I was a teacher too. And I sat in that seat waiting for the PD person to come in. But especially
1: um, now though, Especially before, now. before yeah. COVID, mm-hmm. even those who are voluntold will still go <laughs> along with it. And if they saw that all their colleagues were on board, if they weren't on board, then they would just do. (laughs) Now, folks are a lot more vocal. And that's why I'm asking you that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's true. I would say the advice I would give when you're in this role working with people, relate, be relatable. And that's the failsafe of being relatable is remembering that we're all human. What I experience, chances are other people are experiencing that or thinking that or feeling that. When you frame it that way, it takes the fear out of it. Oh, we are yeah. all human and we all have this big thing we're trying to do and remind us that carry the banner. What are we trying to do here and relate to people and and be real about it? I know that we do a lot of, we want to base our practice and research and best practice and we want that, but people don't want to talk about it that way. I try to keep it as user-friendly as possible. And I think that user-friendly goes along with the instructional design. Like how can I meet the needs of the people I'm working with? Keep it authentic to whatever it is you're doing. Try to keep it as authentic as possible. My Kool-Aid of things that I bring to the professional learning experiences, this idea of an immersive experience. So I do not like to talk at people the whole time. I'm not that kind of facilitator. I really want to get them um, in it, and I want them to be introspective. I want them to be sharing and make connections with each other, find out something new about themselves. Really, the same kind of rules you give yourself as a teacher in the classroom. Engaging young learners is often similar to engaging adults. I've found things like tending to culture is really important. Establishing relationships is important. One of the ones that I really like is make safety a prerequisite. The way I do that, (laughs) my own personality and flair comes out here, but I bring popcorn. I do not believe you should have professional learning without it and candy if you grab a bag. But so I bring popcorn to pretty much every professional learning I have. And I also bring a boom box. (laughs) For whatever reasons, it just lightens the mood, and people are like, okay, like this won't be quite what I thought. And it brings people's shields down a little bit, and we can be a little more vulnerable. If I'm going to be vulnerable and wear this sparkly shirt in front of you and have a boombox, I think that it sets people up. And the final thing I would say about coaching others and some advice, and this I got from my graduate program years ago in teaching when I was going for my teaching degree, that I remember what the professor said. She said, maps. And this is like dealing with people. And this is a people endeavor when you're coaching. So maps, mainly listen, acknowledge, plan for success. If you have someone that's struggling or maybe they're not buying in, mainly listen, acknowledge what they're saying, and then plan for success. And I think ultimately, if we can bring it back to the students, that's what we're all here for. I think that's going to be your like ace in your pocket. Remember though, this is for the kids and this is good for kids. Those would be my
1: advice. Lots of nuggets there. I am definitely stealing the candy part. I already <laughs> used the music, but I will definitely start bringing candy. Food is um, love.
0: Food is love. I learned that at a young age. Food is, food is love.
1: Food is love. Food is love. Laura, as a coach, you just have this wisdom. How long have you been doing this for?
0: Ooh, good question. Since 2016, I uh, transitioned from teacher to consultant.
1: I think your people are lucky to have you. Oh, thank you. (laughs) And I just don't say that. I can hear in your responses. I can see in your body language, in your expression, that you care about people. You want them to have an immersive experience, as you say. And I can definitely see why your words resonate with people. Every day on Twitter, I'm watching all these tweets are getting reposted, shared all over the place. And I've done it too. And I can see why. Laura, let's talk about your passion for creating educational opportunities for every kid, especially those without advocates. How did you get on that journey?
0: It was instilled into me as a young person. Both my parents were educators, and so I kind of had a very real sense of the, you know, disparages amongst people in general and like education is so important. That was instilled into me at a young age. The whole education can be, can level the playing field. That whole, that quote, is that, is that true? (laughs) And if it's not, how can we make it true is where I've always lived. And when I became a teacher and you got in real life, like you see kids that will always be okay. Even if they fail a math test, they're going to be fine because they have a network. They have people that are going to cheer them on and then they're going to find their path. You have those kids and then you have kids that do not have that sort of safety net or that network or people lifting them up. and That is where I feel where I can't, can add value and why I show up to the job every day. Like that is what matters most is how do we change those trajectories? We know apples don't fall far from trees. And so can we get more trees in the mix and have more an idea of what the world could be and help kids find their own potential, especially when it's not being reflected to them, like in their home life or outside of school? Like how do we as educators set them up for those kind of opportunities so that they can see their own potential and then get passionate while hopefully wildly passionate about it so that they can do what it takes to beat the stereotype, to beat the norm, to have the story that they've pivoted, that they found their way, even against all the odds against them. So I think that's what I know I told you the hill to die on, like my hill to die on is like, that's what we're here for. And yes, things like Pythagorean's theorem, I'm not picking on math. I love math. Pythagorean's theorem. Yes, it's curriculum, it's content and everything. But when push comes to shove, that's not what's going to move mountains for kids. It's helping them find their own potential and helping them to be decision makers, essentially.
1: Laura, what advice would you give a person or educator wanting to make a difference for underserved youth, but don't know where to begin?
0: My solution to this challenge, this grand challenge, and there's lots of Ways to tackle this. There is no magic one way to do it. I really think community partnerships is the route. Getting kids invested in the community, getting the community invested in the kids is going to be that network that we can start to develop for them. If you really want to close the opportunity gap, we've got to be real creative on those opportunities so that we can meet our unique learners' needs as we face their unique challenges. And I would start with a community think tank and I would have. Partners, business partners, community entities, the school students in a room and have a conversation of, hey, what's our potential? We have a team of students here. What could we do to make a difference or an impact for your business or for this community Mm -hmm. Um, and start brainstorming about projects that get kids excited and all that learning will come along with it. And then it's a win-win because now we've just secured future employees, or they might find a career path that interests them, or maybe they really did solve the problem and contributed back. But either way, they're engaged. And I think that's what you have to strive for, especially when you have learners that are underserved and they need that. So that's where I would begin.
1: This is such an important topic, and this is actually something that I uplift in my workshops. Change makers for At-Risk Youth. I want to read a few of them, if that's okay. Yeah. All right. So I'll read six. And the first four are things that schools can do. However, they need resources. And then they need to be intentional about how they're using the resources. Number one is high quality childhood education. Number two is effective teachers in schools, obviously. Three is mentors and positive role models. Four is community support and engagement, which, if you think about everything you just said, you hit all of these four. But there's two other ones that schools can't really help with. Number five is supportive home environment. Mm-hmm. And six, access to healthcare and nutrition. And I guess schools can help a little bit with nutrition, but not so much with healthcare. Yeah. Any thoughts on anything I just said?
0: Yeah, I know one thing when I, you know, that moment where you're like, I want to redefine school and like, could it be? And (laughs) I've always thought the school as the community hub, in some states, especially with underserved youth, they're starting to move more into that role too. So, connecting kids to the healthcare that they need and the nutrition and the, the supports that they need, but right out of the school, connecting with those community partners. Maybe the nurse comes in, or maybe the dietitian comes in once a week, or they start to organize access through the school. And I know it's happening, but it's not happening. At least it's not happening like streamlined as much as it could be as school as the hub that that kind of mindset but no i think you're absolutely right like those are the, those two are really critical and those are the challenges we have to face and the number four the or i think it was four three or four the men- mentorship i think you need a yeah. what they say that makes a difference is just one caring adult one caring adult can make the difference if a kid has someone to go to and lean on and that's super powerful <laughs> if you think about it because teachers are pre- positioned strategically that they could be that now i know we can't be there after hours (laughs) all the time. Some of these teachers are doing amazing things with after-school opportunities. The more we can do that, the better it's gonna be for the kids.
1: Oh, for sure. And I know that relationships weigh heavy on teachers. Lots of teachers have like 150 kids. Mm -hmm. It's impossible to have a relationship with every child, but we can build rapport. And if we have rapport and they know we care, I know I was the type of kid that would work harder and do the work for that teacher yep. that I knew cared about me. And I think that's just one way to get them. hundred percent. We are now winding down with Laura and we're going to get into the quick fire question round segment of the podcast. Uh-oh. Laura, what are your top three ed tech tools?
0: Okay. The ones I use a lot are Miro. Didn't love Miro. And I can't speak highly enough about the engagement with young learners and adult learners. I use it all the time in my professional learning, whether I'm in person, or if I'm doing a virtual class, Miro has helped me out significantly. Along with that is Canva. We just like things looking good. And Canva can do that and make it easy for people, especially if you're not like graphic designer by trade, you can certainly feel like one. Canva is, is it for me. And then there's so many AI. I'm just still playing around with all of them. I do love dabbling in chat GPT, like everyone seeing like, hey, I wonder what, the, what would generate if I prompted it this. So playing around a lot with that but I'm tried and true. I love Google products. I use them all the time. My calendar keeps me organized and I am a backlog person. I have Google sheets to uh, visualize my to do, doing and done. And that keeps my ducks in a row. I have to definitely (laughs) lean on some of those tried and true ones, but there's a lot coming down the pike and I'm super excited about the potential.
1: Laura, what is your favorite education book and why?
0: I'm reading a lot. I'm actually a doctoral student right now. I'm like, oh, should I talk about my program evaluation book and shout out my teacher? No, I really, I really love program evaluation. I'm really digging on that book right now. But for whatever reason, I'm going to throw out a book that's not traditionally like educational per se, but it's been really good for my own professional learning. And it's, I actually grabbed it, it's Social Chemistry. Decoding the Patterns of Human Connection by Marissa Mm -hmm. King. It is so good. And I've never understood people better. It helps me empathize with people I've worked with, or even people, maybe I've had some challenging conversations, or maybe I've struggled a little bit. It really helps with understanding where people are coming from a little bit better (laughs) and our behavior. So definitely worth a read.
1: (laughs) Laura, don't be biased, but what's your favorite education conference and why?
0: Oh, I have to be biased.
1: (laughs) I have to. I
0: iTech, baby. (laughs) And you're going to be there this year. So it's even like, we've just leveled up. Definitely iTech in Iowa, come one, come all. You'll love the people in Iowa are very nice and food's pretty good. And (laughs) yeah, no, it's a good time. I love iTech. I've been to a couple other really good ones. ISTE, a Amazing time. I went as a teacher and I got to present and I was like, oh, this is so cool. So that is, that's one. And then I recently finally went to FETC and I really enjoyed that one as well. So lots of good conferences out there, but iTech for sure. Number one.
1: Laura, what are three things people should do every day?
0: One, give yourself a pep talk. I do this every day. For whatever reason, chemistry, hormones, whatever you wake up and you might feel like in a slump, but mind over matter. Okay. always mind over matter. Give yourself a pep talk. Nourish your body. Okay, you won't function well if you don't feed yourself right. Hydrate. (laughs) That goes along with it. And feed your mind. Whatever it is, if you're reading something on social media, if you're reading a book, if you're talking to an expert, you're asking business partners (laughs) some industry standard practices that you're excited to learn about, whatever it is, feed your mind.
1: Laura, what's your favorite vacation spot and why?
0: I have two. Can I say two? This past year, I was able to take my daughter to California. We went to Los Angeles and I know what you're thinking. Oh my gosh, so many people in the traffic, but being from rural Iowa, I was like, yes, I love it. And I just really, I'm an extrovert. So I fed off on all the energy of, of LA. And then, um, we went to Manhattan beach and my daughter loved it and the ocean and it was beautiful and the surfers. And I just really love that vibe. Um, but the other place I would say and recommend if you have never been, um, is Costa Rica. I lived there for three years. I loved it. I love the people. I love the food. I still cook pinto and eat plátanos. And I just I'm coming
1: over. My <laughs> wife and I are coming over. <laughs>
0: I love it and uh, can't get enough cilantro, ceviche, all that. Like I, I love Costa Rica. It's a beautiful country. Super into biodiversity, and so you can see volcanoes. You can see the ocean. You can see the jungle. You can see all sorts of terrain, ranches. It's just super dynamic and beautiful. And I can't wait to go back.
1: (laughs) Laura, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received?
0: This comes from my mom. Hi, mom. As a young person, I would get frustrated or something would happen and she would always remind me, Laura, don't burn your bridges. (laughs) How do you not burn bridges? Especially if someone's like, hurt your feelings or this or that. It's remembering to lean into kindness and that we're all works in progress. We're all human. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Go easy on people. If they did hurt you, and it's it's one of those things, you can still be the bigger person. Don't burn your bridges. That's really served me well. You never know who's going to come in clutch for you. I just feel it's really important to try to maintain positive rapport with people under whatever circumstance. And that, that would be... The one I've kept with me since I was a young person and I still keep it to this day. So don't burn your bridges.
1: Laura, I pick three things that I love and respect about you. Just to recap, you put family first. You're a great coach and you're passionate about helping every kid. Is there anything we did not cover that you want people watching or listening to know about you?
0: I want people to know that I want to be a cheerleader for them and that we all have so much potential And we may, we just might not know it yet. As we're trying to build our brand and connect to educators and share our stories and work with people. I think it's important to collaborate and network. How can we build each other up? I think that's the name of the game. I'm very into altruism. What's good for one is good for all. Let's work together because we're going to go further, farther, faster. If we can find a rhythm together, lean into altruism, friends.
1: This is the part of the show where I give you your flowers. I do not believe in waiting until someone's gone to express how I feel about them. Laura, just listening to you, watching you on social media, working with you, I have to say that I feel that your work has been accepted by a greater power. You are passionate, you're sincere, you care about people and that's really most of it. I am happy to know you, I'm glad we're friends now and I wish you nothing but the best and I can't wait to watch everything you do. Thank
0: you, George. Virtual hug. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. How can we put this in the universe? How can people contact you to hire you for instructional coaching, for PBL, for keynotes, not just in Iowa, but all over the country and over the world?
0: Yeah. You can email me. So if you're outside of Iowa, I would email Laura at AuthenticLearningAlliance.org. You can get a hold of me that way. If you are from Iowa, just email my AEA email, Laura Williams at aealearningonline uh, Two ways to get a hold of me.
1: <laughs> and that will be in the show notes. That's it for this episode. Until next time, this is the Lifelong Learning Defined podcast.
0: Thank you for listening to the Lifelong Learning Defined podcast with George Valenzuela.